We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, friends. Welcome to Mavs Moneyball After Dark. This is Kirk Henderson and Josh Bow. You are joining us on Tuesday night, December, or October 25th at a little after 9 o'clock. The Mavericks played an early game against the Pelicans. Played like shit. Lost 113 <laughs> to 111, despite the Pelicans missing three starters. Uh, I really don't know how to discuss this loss. Um, I think in terms of... Uh, a game summary if you just happen to miss the game dallas came out terrible on defense and slightly uh off kilter on offense got down pretty early they were down by nine at the end of the quarter though it was much bigger than that at certain points uh dallas brought it within two within halftime and then you know ended up taking i think a lead eh, i think a lead into the fourth quarter and once again lost that lead um and the Pelicans got ahead late and and held on to it. And I have a specific reason that I think this happened because it was almost a textbook replay of what happened in Phoenix, where in the fourth quarter, uh, Coach Kidd insisted on putting in the uh, defensive lineup. And if I had video, you would see air quotes because in, in what a defensive lineup uh, suggests is that the lineup would play defense and get stops. But when the defensive lineup loses leads, they're not a defensive lineup. They're just a shitty lineup. Uh, and the Mavericks found themselves in clutch time once again down. And they got within one and, and they just lost the ball game. And I, I, I am not like incandescently mad, but I'm really irritated. Because to me, this is the second straight game where it's on the coaching decisions as much as it is elements of certain players needing to play better. Spencer Dinwiddie played 38 minutes tonight, scored 24 points, was four of eight from three, and yet somehow managed to be a negative 15 in a two-point loss. I cannot 
I cannot describe how hard that is to do. I've been ranting already. Josh, you go. <laughs> I think what's disappointing is, <clears throat> I mean, the Mavericks are one and two. Mm-hmm. And they should be three and oh. They should be three and oh. And it hasn't been a good, like, I think in normal conditions, you would look at these first three games. And if you said one and two, like a couple weeks ago, yeah. Or, or if you didn't the tell strength. them like what the schedule looked like, yeah, you'd be like, okay, yeah. whatever. But like we the talked Mavericks about that have, when the schedule came out. Yeah. The, but the Mavericks uh, had two nights off. They had two nights off before the uh, Memphis game. So that's four nights off in six days, two games in six days, which is an NBA that just, you know, you get stretches like that occasionally and you savor them. Um, and for the Mavericks to start their season like that is like a blessing considering, you know, uh, teams don't have a lot of practice. I mean, they basically probably got to keep training camp, go, you know, like they actually got to keep practicing, which when the season yep. starts, usually practice it's is longer. over. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've had, a blessed schedule in terms of, of rest, no back-to-backs, no three and four nights. Um, and then, you know, they play Memphis in three and four nights, Memphis on second night back-to-back. They have two nights rest and they kill them. And Memphis was hurt too. And then they play a New Orleans team, like you said, missing three starters. And it wasn't like Herb Jones, Jonas Valanciunas, and like another, like it was, it was Zion and Brandon Ingram and Herb Jones, which is like, the top, their two best players, and then Herb is probably like their fourth or fifth best player. So yeah. it wasn't just you know three starters is bad is a lot, but they were also missing their two best players and their best wing, um, which makes this game especially you know like I think what I'm trying to say is this has not been despite the fact that the Mavericks have a 41 point win uh, under their belt. I'm not trying to be like you know. Oh, break up the Mavs. This team's awful. No, no, I'm just saying, like, this is a bad start. And I, I, and I just, I'm disappointed in the way this team has started, given the fact that they have had a really, like, favorable uh, start to the season in terms of rest, in terms of imponent health. Like, they really couldn't have asked for a better way to start the season, aside from, you know, playing all these tough teams at the start. But, like, missing all these starts, like, that part is just really bumming me out because the Mavericks will get on track eventually um, and they oh, will sure. write the ship. And what's going to suck is the West is so good. We're going to look back when the Mavs are a game and a half out of fourth place or fifth, you know, whatever it is in March. And we're going to think about these games and be like, man, how did they, how did they lose those games? And that's what, that's the frustrating part to me. We already had one fellow, you know, and I, I tweeted after the game. Cause like, I look, I'm uh, of my power rankings of why the Mavericks lost this game. I'm putting this at the feet of the head coach who makes the coaching decisions. You know, we'll circle some of the things that he did. It involves, you know, basically insisting on JaVale McGee being a Maverick, but I had somebody just send me a message of, well, you know, they were five. They were five hundred basketball team in 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 January first, and everything was fine. Well, I, I'm I'm not going to count on the Mavericks winning seventy five percent of their games. This it's year. not a good strategy to keep. Like, getting it's just not. Yeah, you want to you want to figure out easier <laughs> things earlier and win some games when it matters. Uh, when 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 teams are still figuring it out, like you want other teams to be saying, "Man, we really should have beat the Mavericks back back in October." That's I mean, one, yeah, that's one that sticks out. And isn't and part of the reason, this. like, you've got a roster with so much continuity? Like, isn't the beginning of the season supposed to be when a team like the Mavericks is more is successful as all these other teams are integrating new parts and new players? And the Mavericks have got this team that's been together for basically three mm-hmm. years now, for the most part. Mm-hmm. 
like, isn't that supposed to be an advantage in the early part of the season? And yeah. to not capitalize on that is, is, you know, disappointing. I mean, there's, you said something in our Slack. So please, if you don't want to insist upon this take, <laughs> I think it's worth noting. You sort of held the bad start. You hung it on Luka Doncic in the sense of Luka is the team leader and he came out kind of lackadaisical himself. He did turn it on in the first quarter and played a play, ended up playing a pretty good game with the exception of his insistence on taking these threes again, where he's two of 13. And then to start the year, I'd be curious what his three point percentage is through, through three games because it, it can't be, you know, he was, he was two of 10 in game one, four of nine in game two, two of 13. So that's just like, that's, that's eight total makes and 32 misses. So uh, yeah. 32 total shots. Like that's, that's not good. Um, yeah. that's 25%. So he needs to, he needs to clean that up. But yeah. the rest of the game, it's like he, I thought he played not bad defense. Uh, I, I thought he moved the ball. Well, I, he, he was getting to the lane, you know, if he made, so it's, it's like doing the math here. He made 14 of 17, two point shots. What are, why are you taking threes friendo? <laughs> 14 yeah. of 17, two point shots. Yeah. And yeah. I want to like, like expound like I'm not I'm also with you like the kid thing and the way he coached the game and like starting JaVale and then like that that's fourth quarter run when they got down by like nine or like somewhere around there and not calling a timeout for like five minutes like that like I'm totally with you like that this that is, is this is just cla- like this is just you know I'm just I think my point is more like in addition to kid you know me having some questions with how kid coached the game i'm also right. just a little bit i'm just kind of getting over the mavericks playing teams that they theoretically on paper should win and and win comfortably i mean i'm sorry like new orleans is a great is it going to be a great team and they clearly showed it tonight but the mavericks should still if the mavericks are as good as we think they are they should win this game by double digits when the yep. team's missing three starters like it's not like let's spin it around if the mavericks were missing Luca, Christian Wood, and Dorian Finney-Smith, would they win a game against a full health Pelicans? Like, I don't think we, you know, like, it, like just put the shoe on the other foot. Like, would you expect them to win that game? No, you would not. And that's, not, like, not a slight against the team. It's just, you know, there's just limitations. There should be limitations here. And I think what's getting annoying is, is this is a pattern of just these, these games that, that you know, where the Mavericks feel like they should be comfortable and they're playing an opponent that they may might be, you know, more talented than with either missing starters or if they're playing a bad team. Like, I'm just tired of these lackadaisical starts against in these like games like this. And it's just uh-huh. the energy doesn't look good. And I know, you know, Luca finished the first quarter with 14 points and six assists. So, like, statistically, I don't have an issue with what he's doing. I just think he is the team leader and there has to be a way for him to rally this group and be like, Hey guys, like they're missing three start. Like, let's jump on this. Like, let's get on this team. You know, let maybe he said that, you know, maybe this stuff is happening and, and we don't know it. And the team is just not responding. Like, I well, don't know. They're I'm not were, in the I, huddle, not- but I'm just, I'm just tired of these kind of games where it feels like Luca doesn't necessarily respect his opponent. And I feel like that energy just trickles down to the rest of the team. Cause Luca's the head of the snake and ha- yep. his, temperament and body language and energy is going to reflect across the rest of the team and, and his mindset. And MVP MVP caliber players and MVP winners crush the weaker opponents. 
and Lucas, honestly, honest to God, had this specific problem going back the entire time he's been with the Mavericks, where year two in particular, if I remember correctly, the Mavericks yeah, year had, a horrend- two they had a horrendous record. Eh, was it year two? Might have been year three. This, the, but it's like at one point in time, they had like a terrible record against teams under 500. And yet, and then they win, you know, games against like some of the best teams in the league. And like that, an element of that falls on the superstar. I, I still, for, for me, that's the simplest corrections though, is you stop starting the games with JaVale <laughs> McGee. JaVale McGee was a terrible signing. We said so at the time and tried to couch it in so much as we want to give this team some benefit of the doubt. But Jason Kidd wanted JaVale McGee, and so he got JaVale McGee. Why you want JaVale McGee in the year 2022 is beyond me. There might be some games where he's been great. I I, I haven't seen it. You know, he's supposed to come in and help with rebounds. Do you know how many rebounds he got in eight minutes tonight or in, in the minutes that he played tonight? 12 minutes, two, two boards. Two boards. He got his ass kicked by Jonas Valanciunas. He did not go. He honestly looked like late stage DeAndre Jordan. That's what he looked. Where there was, do you remember I used to post those clips of of Jordan never going for blocks? He would just watch guys. Just stand, That's what yeah. McGee did. McGee looked like that tonight. And in he those twelve up, minutes, yeah. Go ahead. No, go, go ahead. Go ahead. I interrupt you. I was going to say in the first like five minutes of the game, or maybe six minutes, he get, he was directly responsible for giving up six baskets. And yeah. a lot of those were layups. And that yeah. was bad. Like that was bad. Like, just got them in the hole. Like New Orleans scored forty points in the first quarter, and like you're starting the game, like that's the whole reason you're starting McGee is to to get off to a good def- like you know get off to the good defensive start. Like that's the whole point. Like if you're giving up forty point first first quarters with him as your starter, like you're just digging yourself into a hole that's going to be really hard to climb out of. And, and lo and behold, they couldn't climb out of it. Oh. And that's where I just I keep coming back to these to these rotational decisions and so and really team building decisions because once again in a in a loss you see the elements of where they need that third playmaker. Uh Faku Campazo came into the game and look, I'm just gonna get this out of my system. Faku Campazo and Josh Green cannot fucking play together. What planet are we on? What in the hell was that? That's playing two non-offensive players together. They were combined two of six, which honestly, better than I would have thought. To be honest, um, those minutes weren't as bad as you thought, despite some of the bad, bad plays. Thought, but like yeah. they, they held it together for the first part of the fourth quarter, and then yeah. things just went south in a hurry. You know, 14 minutes for, for Green, 13 minutes for Campazo. Can't be doing that. Just it's it, neither played particularly. I'm not hanging anything on them. It's more of a rotational thing where it's like, how did that happen? They kind of have to, though, right? If those two guys don't play, who's playing? Those minutes, I, but that's where this that's where it comes yeah. where people have been telling me and I love I love y'all in my green rooms to come and talk to me and, and tell it's all oh, the Mavs are deep and I'm like I just don't see it I see eight guys I see eight guys that are really you know when Tim Hardaway's out tonight it's seven guys so it's seven guys who can play and then and then it's whoever they feel like going with and you know when you knock McGee out of this I just worry about the depth over the course of the season and so it's all these things together where Kidd has said, you know, we're going to give it eight to 10 games and then we're going to make some changes. I'm not sure he can continue that. You know, maybe they go ahead and stumble through and they play 500 basketball, but I'm going to be just continually annoyed because we're like, we're wasting 
Luka Doncic performances. I mean, I got a message tonight from from my friend Seth Partnow, and he, he and, and he's not going to be happy. I'm not going to quote him, but he basically pointed out that that Luka has an effective field goal per- percentage in quarters one through three, fifty eight point five. In the fourth quarter, he's shooting thirty six point four percent for effective field goal percentage, and that's a load issue. Okay, that's a load yeah. issue. Yeah, I mean the guy the guy's got a forty percent usage, and he's. I mean, you just watch all these games and it's incredible the numbers he's putting up, but um, something I tweeted out earlier, I want I want your take. And this is it's trans. Uh, I promise it relates to, I'm not sure. guarding the discussion here, okay, but um, ranting at this point, <laughs> this is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down. We break down who will be cutting cut. What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. But does it feel like to you, it feels like this to me, and I wonder, just want to know your take on it. Like, opposing defenses are, and through three games, things could change. But so far through three games, opposing defenses are staying closer to Dorian Maxie yes. and Reggie more than they were, you know, a year ago. And then for Maxie and Dorian, you know, the last couple of years, do you, and I, and I want, and you think about the space that creates for Luca and he's been dominant in the paint and that's opening things up for him. But at the same time, he's also the only guy, you know, it's him and Dinwiddie that are the only guys that can really take advantage of that mm. and maybe would a little bit, but I mean, are these teams thinking like, man, Let's let Luca play 38 minutes. Let's let him shoot 30 times. He'll make over half of them. He's going to score 35 points in the paint or whatever. You know, he's going to score a bunch of points in the paint. But that's fine because Dorian, you know, these other guys aren't going to do you know, like Dorian's not going to beat you. Like if you're staying home on Dorian, he's there's not a lot of other ways he can beat you. Like the only other way, you know, maybe he's the offensive class. He has shown some more spunk in terms of driving, uh, attacking closeouts so that's that's not his game it's sure. not reggie's game that's not maxi's game and it's in the you know those three guys combined for 14 points um and they only made two threes combined uh those three guys when you really when the Mavs offense is humming those guys are making two to three threes each yeah. um yep. and i just wonder is that sustainable for either way is it sustainable for opposing defenses because like <laughs> i mean letting luca terrorize at the paint i don't know like does that catch up to you but on the other end it's like man if i'm if i'm trying to guard the mavs and i'm looking at how this roster is constructed i think i do the same thing right i think i let luca control the ball as much as he wants score as much as he wants stay home on shooters don't let him get a ton of assists and luca still finished with seven assists because he's just that good of a passer um 
and just play the odds that way because you're not necessarily scared these other guys are going to beat you in other ways. And I just, I, I'm, I'm just curious your, your thoughts on that and what you're seeing. You see it with Dorian a lot because Dorian is is having low impact games and really almost and and the shot you know you all you've said this for for a year and a half that the number of Dorian field goal attempts seems to dictate elements of the offensive flow for the Mavericks. Oh and yeah. Once again, he 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 just you know five two, five five shots and um, two threes. Mm-hmm. I looked it up. Uh, sorry, to, but I'll let you go right back to. It, but I just want to say I looked it up. Last season in wins, I think he had 5.7 threes per game attempted. And in mm. losses, he had five. And I know that like 0.7, but like, and there's still, there was enough. I think there was enough there that hopefully proved statistically backed up what I, what I was seeing. But yeah. Right. Right. I just wanted well, to that. there's, well, but that plays directly into your, into your thought of whether I'm seeing it. And Dorian has just been getting a lot of cardio. Um, Bullock is a better relocation shooter. Like he kind of moves around a little yeah, bit more. Doesn't, yeah, and and that's okay. Like that's that's just a difference in role. Um, Bullock's actually been pretty good. It was just a really rough game for him tonight. One for eight from the field, one for six from three. I mean, the Mavericks as a team shot thirty one percent from three. Yeah. Um, a lot of that there, being Luca though. There was a clutch possession. I think when they were down mm. two or one, like it was one of the possessions in the final within under the final two minutes where they just. They trapped Luca. Uh, Bullock was open in the corner, and they closed out. And they just the closeout was so like wild that Bullock just kind of and they Bullock drove right by it, and there was not really that much help. And Bullock kind of shot. Do you remember that play where he shot yeah. that floater from the baseline? Yep. And just, was I was like thinking, an, I was oh like, and the Pelicans, <laughs> the Pelicans coaches were probably like, beautiful. Like that's exact. Yeah. Like teams are going to be like, yes, yes, please. Yep. That's what you want every, every night, right? Um, one of the things. One of the things that I've sort of noticed through three games is, and and this just this is a slow start thing. This is not a I am concerned about him. I have felt Maxi Kleba through three games has been middling at best. He obviously, you know, it, really it's two losses because you know that Memphis game became such a blowout. You know, he was fine in it. He nine points and eight rebounds. There's absolutely no complaints there. But I felt that he has really looked, frankly, just a step slow. Um, he's out there for defensive purposes, and he's obviously battling. But you know, the the Pelicans came up with some offensive boards tonight at it, it, key key times, and I'm just, I'm a little like like the, it it flo- like he and Dorian. I sort of have like the similar concerns for different reasons, where it's they just have to be a tiny bit better and maybe they'll they'll figure that out as the year goes on i i assume they will but in these two losses when you look at kind of your role player stat logs it's it's a little just a little vexing i i'm not it's not like big time cause for alarm but it's again it's just you, you, 28 minutes seven points five rebounds two blocks two turnovers the turnovers pretty bad you can't can't have turnovers from the but it's just i don't, i'm i'm I mean, not really I'm not phrasing this right. It's just it's no. something where it's it's like I, I want him to play because I think he and he he can really help balance out aspects of what Wood does. That he and Wood can play five out basketball with Luca and everyone else. Yeah, no, I know what you're saying, and I mean honestly, I don't know if you have the box score up on your end, but like just look at the scoring dif- differences between the Pelicans and, and the Mavericks. The Mavericks had three guys in double digits, and that's it. The Pelicans had eight. 
And they had three, the Pelicans had three guys off their bench scoring double figures. And that's with them missing three starters. So three bench players had to, so they went deeper into their bench than maybe they normally would. And they still had three guys uh, off the bench score double figures. And I was watching the game and I think it was just like, and this is an issue that like, I don't know. I don't know the answer right now. And it's not an indictment on the Mavericks players because they're, they're kind of doing their jobs in a, in a way like Maxie's job is to play defense and spot up and shoot. Dorian's job uh-huh. is to play defense and spot up and shoot. Uh, the defense was a little worrisome at times, so we can criticize him for that. But I thought Maxie, I mean, he had two blocks and I know there's more to, more to rim protection for a big than, than two block shots. But I thought they're like, I thought he kind of helped get them back in the game in the second and third quarters defensively. Uh, but his impact can only go so far. You know, he's one of three from the field. Yeah. And he has seven points. So, you know, but that's like, if teams are going to guard him and Dorian closer, that's not necessarily like, it's not necessarily those guys fault that they don't have a counter ready right now. Like, Maxi is what 30 I think he's 30 or 31 he's 30 he'll be 31 before the year ends Dorian is close to 30 like those guys were undrafted like it <clears throat> those guys being as good as they are right now is a miracle in itself and a tribute like a dedication to the hard work they've put in asking those guys to do like okay now you guys need to be like have some off the bounce juice and you guys need to be able to attack close like there's a limitation to some like you can only push the, the limit so far, especially with these undrafted free agent guys. And it's not like, it's not their fault. And it's not, it's a weird expectation to place on them. Like they just, that's just not part of their game. And I don't think you can expect it. And then you just look at the Pelicans and they've just got, got like, like Larry Nance Jr. is a good player with good pedigree. Like Devonte Graham is weird. Uh, he can shoot you in and out of game. So I'm not going to really, he's kind of, he's kind of like their THJ. I feel like, but like uh, Daniels, their draft pick, like he is really talented Uh, and he's a, he was a top 10 pick and Murphy. He was also like, he's a super talented guy. He was also, you know, 17th overall pick. Uh, I think was Alvarado a second rounder or undrafted, but like those guys have a little bit more talent and juice to that. Like you could just watch during the game. They're not just guys that if you if you close out on them, they can't really offer you anything. Like they just do some different things. And that's just because they're like, you know, he's Daniels is a top 10 pick. Murphy was picked uh-huh. 17th overall. And it's just I, I feel like I'm meandering here, but it just goes to show that it's hard to you're gonna have nights like the Mavericks had tonight when you have a roster that's so heavily reliant on basically two guys to do all of your dribbling. And it's going to look good some nights like against Memphis when, you know, guys are hitting shots and the defense looks good, but there's going to be nights like tonight where they're just, the shots aren't falling or they're not there. And the counter is okay. Luke and you guys have to do more like Christian Wood, you need to do more. You you guys have to score more. Like it's, it's, it's just difficult. I just saw, it just felt like such a contrast watching the Pel- this Pelicans roster and this Mavericks mm-hmm. roster in terms of like, what can they get out of their role players and again, it's not an indictment on the Mavericks guys. It's just, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we've not even talked. Bunch of first round picks are going to draft some talented guys, and the Mavericks don't 
Oh well, yeah, that, no, the, the team don't like it's. It's just sort of like, and I don't want to be like super morbid after three games. It's just no, the, the way this team has been constructed, and then you look at the way the other teams have been constructed. Like the future power rankings for ESPN came out today, and the Mavericks were thirteenth despite having Luka Doncic. And that's it's an indictment of team building. It's an indictment going back ten years. It's an indictment of the whole thought process between. You know, the risks that they've taken that haven't paid off, even if they might have been good ideas at the time and and compared to some of these other teams. And they've just built a team that is capable of being quite good, but sort of has like they're just games and times when like the 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 hinge points are so painful where it's like, okay, (laughs) if these things aren't all working, they look really rough. Right. And the defensive elements, I think, get cleaned up because I just don't think you play JaVale. Like, I think they eventually figure out that they can't play JaVale. Like, and they the, played him Dw- 12 minutes tonight, so they're maybe they're already figuring it like out. Dwight, Dwight Powell, I, I honestly think Dwight Powell makes a comeback because Dwight might be a defensive disaster as well, but Dwight Powell doesn't make the mistakes that, that, that McGee was making. He's just not very – he's smaller and has a high center of gravity and isn't as, you know, that sort of defensively athletic. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't know. Well, well, hey, I, I mean, know. this is, I don't think this is an outlandish statement. I know I've been a, the, the Dwight Powell homer on our website, but like in terms of guarding the pick and roll in the modern NBA, like Dwight Powell is absolutely a better defender than JaVale McGee. Like mm-hmm. with McGee, you have to exclusively play drop coverage and that's all you can do with him. Like Powell can like say what you will about Powell and, and you know, he offers very little to nothing as a rim protector. I mean, he can switch hedge and trap. And we've seen him do those things quite well. And I think as a regular season, you know, in, in the playoffs, some of that stuff doesn't translate as well. But as a regular season guy, like I could have absolutely seen him making a difference on the defensive end in this game, being able to get out to shooters more often. Like I saw some some Pelicans guys just kind of walk into some three-pointers mm-hmm. and open shots out of the pick and roll because like McGee can't get out there. And like, you know, you don't want Wood and you don't want wood doing that stuff either. Uh, you notice that wood is <laughs> wood doesn't necessarily guard the pick and roll directly. A lot of times on the floor, like Maxie's guarding the pick and roll. Like they put him on a guy and like a guy in the corner. Cause they also don't want wood guarding defensively in the pick and roll. And, you know, I'm not saying pal's the answer here, but he just has a different tool set than, than McGee. And maybe they need to be a little bit more flexible depending on who they're playing. Like a team, like, New Orleans, I guess Valanch- you worried a little bit about Valanciunas eating you up on the boards, but I mean, otherwise they got a bunch of guards and wings that love to scoot around pick and rolls and, and spring for jumpers. And that to me doesn't sound like a drop coverage <laughs> scheme to answer that, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, we're just sort of meandering at this point. Yeah, so I, I'd like to discuss, I'd like to discuss something more fun. I would like for yes. things to click. You know, I, I didn't, I watched the, the Grizzlies <sighs> game, but it was like watching it from a bar 40 feet away. So it's like much different context. And, you know, you, we've said this in the chat. It's, it's, you're not, um, you're when, when you win a game like that, there's not like it's really fun but it's it's hard to take certain elements away because the game was over so so early um and the it's good for the mavericks to go ahead and close the door on it but that is what it is um okay uh and cool (laughs) well no i'm annoyed because uh i'm reading our slack and there was a miscommunication in that i thought someone else had grabbed the recap and no one had so i'm going to have to hop offline and do that so that's real fun um 
I don't really got anything else. We'll reconvene on Thursday night. Uh, the Mavericks need to get their shit together is all I'm going to really say. And they're going to have to figure figure this sort of thing out um, and, and how to close these games. I'm tired of losing national television games. Remember how many <laughs> national television games the Mavericks lost last year to open the year? Like, oh they just lost God. game after game on national TV, and it's fucking embarrassing. Yeah, because every like everyone on your timeline is watching that game. Yes, it's just it's tired of it. Get it together. Um, it's like, hey, it's, the schedule gods grace them again because guess what? The Brooklyn Nets will be on the second night of a back to back when they play the Mavericks. So yeah, and they're again, they're atrocious defensively. So there's, yeah. there's really there's this some, is this is a get right even it out and then play to um, up and coming but still you know less less talented teams uh, in the Thunder and the Magic over the weekend. So. All right, guys, this has been Kirk Henderson and Josh Bow. Tune in, uh, you know, check your feed tomorrow afternoon for group therapy. Uh, I'll be back when uh, when we can, and we'll see what we have cooking. Come to MavsMoneyBall.com. We've got a lot of different stuff. Uh, there's posts coming up tomorrow from Brent Brooks that he has spent a lot of time on that I'm also going to have to spend some time editing tonight because I didn't even look at it today. Um, all right, have fun uh, being grumpy about this game, guys, because it was an annoying loss. Uh, talk to you guys a little later in the week. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.